0: Let's go! Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. I'm your co-host Danny Heath of Project Hockey, and we had on a phenomenal guest this week, Andy Sutton. This guy is an NHL veteran, owner of Jomo, which is an unbelievable health and wellness brand, and then CEO and owner of Rivero Hockey, which we dove into the podcast. It was it was awesome. And
1: with me, before we get too deep, with me as usual is. Yeah, Pete Cameron from Elevated Hockey. And you're right, Danny. This was a cool one, man. I uh, I had a great time talking with Andy. He's an interesting guy. You know, he, he's talked a lot about the business side of hockey after retirement. So he gave us a little, little preview on some new products coming out from Verbero. But, oh. you know, the, the point that stu- uh, stuck out for me the most that I'm excited about is, you know, he really talked about, um, well, one, we touched on the importance of education. But really, the part that I think listeners will really like is when he's talking about, um, you know, being a late bloomer. And, you know, he's talking about playing D1 hockey and thinking he's hanging up the skates, maybe even after his junior year. And, and you know, he was looking at taking a, taking a job elsewhere. And, you know, he, so he kind of explained how that worked and how he, he went from, you know, very quickly from thinking he was hanging up the skates to all of a sudden going in, I think it was a 15-year NHL career. So you know, he's a late bloomer and he talked about that and talked about some of the you know, kind of the, the mindset pieces that that helped him overcome that, that late stage development. So I thought that was kind of a cool insight. What about you? Yeah. What, what stuck out for you in the interview? Oh man, it was cool. I, I loved his, his uh advice at
0: the end, just for youth hockey players and, and taking that mindset. And honestly, this is, this is an episode that I'll listen to a few times, just to, this guy has so much and I hope he's coming back on. So Andy, if you're listening right now, let's get a schedule for you to come back on. I think it'd be awesome just to just to chat and continue to dive deeper in the game of hockey and leave it better than we found it. And plus if you've created the shin pad and gear that doesn't stink, Oh man, I got a customer for life for my mom. I know that that's for sure. So Cheryl, Cheryl Heath, if you're listening, she listens to all these. She's probably listening to this mom too bad. These shin pads weren't around and we didn't have to throw all our uh, stinky gear in the pool every other day. So, but it's awesome. Like I said, Awesome interview. Um, excited to get into this one. We miss anything, coach? What do we got before we jump into this one?
1: I think that's it. I think, uh, I think we let Andy uh, get get us rolling here. I think, I think we get into it. Absolutely. And if you haven't checked out Hockey Wolf, go and check out Hockey Wolf.
0: They are doing some huge things right now, especially if you you have a team, if you even like I think they do stuff for men's league teams too, so there, there's stuff for everybody at Hockey
1: Wolf. Yeah, hockey Wolf's that. awesome. Those guys, those guys are good good people there. They crush it with the men's league jerseys, the team gloves, apparel, warm-up track suits. Um, that's kind of their specialty. So anybody out there looking to get that dialed in here for the season as we're getting rolling, hockey wolf's a place to go, plus uh you know, any other gear too. So they're very generous to us keeping us rolling. So check them out. Check I, them I, I, out. Let's get into it.
2: Let's get into it. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at hockeywolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So, like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H O C K E Y W O L F dot com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview.
1: Originally hailing from London, Ontario, Canada, he was a standout player for NCAA D1 Michigan Tech University before making his NHL debut in 1998 with the San Jose Sharks. He went on to a successful 15-year pro career, including stints with seven different NHL teams for a total of 676 games in the league. After retiring from the NHL in 2013, he transitioned into the business of hockey and is now the CEO and owner of Verbero Hockey, a leader in innovative hockey equipment, in apparel, as well as the owner of Jomo, a health and wellness brand. Andy Sutton, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How's it going today? Hey,
3: guys. going well. Thanks
1: for having me.
0: We're pumped. We're pumped to have you. It's tough, you know, being a Minnesota State guy to talk to a Michigan Tech guy, but we'll, we'll, have, to, uh, we'll have to look past that. But Cameron touched on a few things about your background and just your, your playing career. But if you wouldn't mind kind of giving us your story and, and your background and how you got to where you are today. Oh man! But
3: give give me the big question out of the gate. So, <laughs> I, ran away. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's such a blur now. But you know, it's uh, the one thing I'd say more than anything. It, it's um, it's so it's about sliding doors. You know, so many different times over the course of my career, from the time I was little until the time it ended, there were these sort of like fork, always these forks in the road. You know, that that definitely take you down uh, maybe your destined path. I'm not sure, but you know, you're, you're constantly as an athlete c- confronted with these, with these moments where, you know, you have decisions to make, whether it's, um, you know, I, and, and we can get into all these stories if you guys want to, but, I mean, you know, just the, the, the wherewithal to, to know to ask for a trade because you're being asked to be, you know, kept as a forward in Minnesota. And I went into the GM, Doug Risebro and, and said, you know, I really think I'm meant to be a defenseman in this league, um, and I really appreciate it if there's a team that felt, you know, in kind that you would trade me. You know, and I had moments like that. Um, you know, that were just so so pivotal over the course of my career, and and you know, different different places that you go, and 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 coaches that you have that that um, that touch you and, and influence your journey. So, I mean, the stuff that you guys are doing is so important. And now, as you know, brand owner, one of our core initiatives is to do the same. You know, I want to I want to impart. Uh, you know any of the information that I have from my journey to to other people to help them get the most out of their journey. So, I mean, it's it's really um, it's really a progression. You know, like like everything is. You know, through you know really perseverance and, and and effort. You know, and then and then really just you know probably some some good luck and good fortune as well along the way. And and then like I said, some amazing people that that intersect your journey and and help you learn more about yourself and how you can be a better person, a better athlete. Um, And then, you know, once you, you know, I was, I felt fortunate enough just to get a a scholarship. You know, I, I was never drafted. I was always a late bloomer. I I never really uh, found my groove until I was probably, for me, you know, late, my late 20s. It took me a long time to get there. And, and um, there were so many bumps in the road along the way that, that, um, you know, looking back on it now were really the, the pivot points that made me, either train harder or play harder or work harder or think about the game a different way to, to free myself, to be able to, uh, to uh, optimize my, my own uh, performance and experience.
1: So Andy, in that you you touched on something I wanted to kind of have you expand upon a little bit about becoming a late bloomer and kind of developing a little bit later in your, your career. And so, you know, you came up through London, you played some junior B played some junior A and made your way to Michigan tech at the D one level. Um, so can you talk about a little bit about how, w- when you're at tech, how you kind of made that transition or ca- how that college experience helped pr- uh, get you ready for your, your pro career?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, whole, the whole evolution is, is probably interesting, you know, to, to your viewers because it, it wasn't so straightforward and easy. You know, I, I started out as a defenseman until I was 11 or 12, and I think because I scored points as a defenseman at that time, they thought it would be a good idea to make me a forward, which in, in retrospect was probably the, the worst thing that I ever did. But I did that, and then I actually got a scholarship to Tech um, as a forward. And previous to that, you know, I didn't make, I didn't make my midget team. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't you know, the, the caliber I needed to be at that time. So I actually went and played in, you know, relatively obs- obscure Junior B League and, you know, went to Gananoque and was playing with guys with, with beards and jobs, you know, as a 16-year-old. And, and, and that was a good experience because it, it forced me to grow up and learn, learn the game uh, in, a, in a different way. And then, you know, getting into tech – it certainly wasn't roses. You know, I had to take a partial scholarship to get in. I ended up being able to convert the rest uh, of my scholarship to uh, an academic scholarship, which obviously my family was very happy about. And, um, you know, and, and starting there as a, as a forward as I did, you know, from my freshman year was, was very, very lackluster. You know, I... I um, I think I put on 30 pounds that year is the first time I'd ever been taught how to train properly, how to eat properly. And it was really like my first glimpse of what it would, what it would feel like and what it would be like to be a professional. So, you know, did that for that year. And the, and the, and the second year too was, it was an interesting year because it was the 94, uh, 95 NHL lockout. And at that time, Pierre Paget, a famous coach came in and spent two weeks with our club. And at that time we had Randy McKay and, uh, Jim Storm and a couple other NHL guys that were practicing with our team to stay in shape. And when Pierre left, um, he left notes on every player and, and his sort of analysis because he was good friends with our then coach, Bob Mancini. And uh, Bob called me in his office after Pierre left and he said, hey, do you want to hear what, what Pierre had to say? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. He said he only said one thing. I said, okay. He said, try, try Sutton that defense. So he's like, "What do you think?" And right away, it was like, you know, I've had these moments where it's just it's immediate. I said, "Yeah, let's do it," like just like that, right? So that sophomore year, partway through the season, make the switch. Obviously, that wasn't easy, you know, to figure out how to how to you know play the game at a, a very, fairly high level, you know, from the other end of the ice and working on all those skills. Junior year was uh, wasn't much to behold either. I had a pretty significant injury that I was dealing with uh, that year, and then whatever happened um you know everything the stars kind of aligned for that senior season i i turned down an internship with the us navy that year uh to stay at school and uh, and train and prepare for what i thought maybe could even be my last year i was like i'm going to just give it my all and see see what happens like lay it all out there um and i stayed that summer had a wonderful summer with a few of my friends that i'd been with for you know for 3 seasons and um and and then went into that that senior campaign and and it seemed like uh, I was right where I was supposed to be. This, the the year went really well, and I was never drafted. So the the day after that last game, I had fourteen NHL teams try to sign me, um, which was which was a big highlight. I went from having I think six bucks in my bank account to having you know teams <laughs> throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at me to to try to get me to to sign over. So the 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 journey at Tech for me, um, you know, always being a little bit behind, and then even. Beyond that, being probably behind positionally and having to essentially relearn a new way to play the game, Um, and having the space to do that because you play the two games a week. There's a lot of practice time. There's a lot of gym time. Um, I had a a wonderful lady named Julie Way that used to wake up with me in the morning. She was a figure skating coach, and you know, I just, I just always, regardless of how well I was doing or not, I was always trying to find. And this went all the way to the end of my career, always trying to find a way to better myself. Right. So whether it was, you know, I was always the last guy out of the gym. I was, you know, and I was studying engineering at the time. So I mean, I was, I was so stretched, but at the same point in time, I, Julie would meet me at five in the morning at the rink and they'd open the rink up for me. And she had me doing like, you know, figure skating moves on my skates because I was six foot six and I'd put on 30 pounds. I think my, my freshman year, you know started with her trying to figure out how to move my body in a way that would allow me to skate with the little players on the on the big olympic sheets and it was it was a game changer for me you know i and i think that was one of the things that always um, put me in sort of in a in a class of my own is that i was a I was a big player who could play physically and positionally well, and I had to learn that and then and then outside of that, I had you know decent hands and could, could move probably better than most other big players so that that was the thing I think that that um, was a huge part of, of the the length of the journey that I ended up being able to go on yeah i think
0: I think you see better results when you do move a forward. Well, I guess you were D when you started, but then you were forward for a long time. Then you switched to defense. And whenever you can get a forward that can skate well, move the puck well, have good vision, have good hands, and then switch to D, there aren't that many type of defensemen out there. At least, at least there weren't back when, when you started at Michigan Tech. And now, now we're seeing more and more. We just uh, talked with Jake Gardner, and he, he kind of had the same story where he switched from senior year of high school going into Wisconsin. He switched to defense. Uh, and it's obviously working out for him. But were there was there anything that you worked on off the ice that helped with that transition at all, or was it was it uh, more of the same stuff? Like you talked about weight training a little bit, but was there anything else? you are like, oh, I can do this off ice to make my transition to defense a little bit easier.
3: Honestly, guys, more than anything, and I I tell people and kids this all the time. It's like, and more so more so now than ever, every player is is in shape now. You know, it starts early understanding how to train as a hockey player, how to practice as a hockey player. It's never been easier. Like when I first started playing pro, the guys I skated with in the summer would wear garbage bags just because they thought they were getting in better shape. So you can imagine how far we've gone, you know, <laughs> say since the late 90s, right? Yeah, things have
1: changed a little bit, huh?
3: <laughs> it's unbelievable, right? So now, you know, you get, and I can remember, you know, playing in particular uh, against Gabriel Landeskog when he was a rookie. And I remember... I teed him up a couple of times in the corner and he didn't really see me coming. And he literally barely budged when I hit him. And I thought to myself, it might be getting close to time for me to get out of the game here. This is an 18 year old kid that I should be able to just you know blow over. Mm-hmm. And here he's so, so powerful and so strong on his skates. Um, and you, you really saw it. So the thing that, that was resounding to me in the end is about, about just your, your mental acumen, your, your ability to, uh, To be peaceful in your process you can be a you can be a lion inside but you it and i see the parents all the time like the the kid's got to train harder he's not eating the right foods you know that that stuff's all like a drop in the bucket against like your your mental acumen your ability to uh to have to be to be poised to learn to be poised and calm and not to not to ride through anxiety with the game, I spent so much time feeling anxious about the next game or, or my performance or the next shift. And as much as it's important to be connected to your performance and to have pride in your performance at the same point in time, you can't do anything about the shift that happened or the game that happened previous. So you have to release yourself to be able to go out the next shift or the next game and be the best version of you that you can be to learn from it without, de- without de- degrading or diminishing your self-esteem is the most important thing that anybody can ever learn. If they're going to try to go the distance in-, in some sort of athletic pursuit. How, how'd you work on that? So like,
0: I mean, what came to my mind was like, all right, if I have the puck in the corner and I got a four checker coming on me, my nutrition isn't going to be like my nutrition's not going to get me out of that, that no. corner. Right. You talked about that mindset. You talked about, um, having the poise. How did you, how did you make that switch to have cause you said you're anxious at first and then what kind of switched for you?
3: I, you know, I, I think it was just, it was trial by fire for me, unfortunately, you know, and, and I, I had these moments where, you know, I can remember one time in particular. So when I, when I had asked uh, Doug Risebro for a trade, and this is in Minnesota, right? So I'm, I'm being coached by Jacques Lemaire. Jacques Lemaire is telling me that I'm going to be a forward, right? So you don't tell Jacques Lemaire, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> um, and then, you know, we've got Mike Ramsey as our defense coach. And Mike, you know, Mike's history is, is as amazing as, as anyone's in the game. So I go to Mike first because he's the defense coach. And I say, hey, Mike. Like, I just really think I'm going to be a defenseman in this league. And he looks me square in the face like this, and he goes, "No, you'll never be a defenseman in this league, right?" So you take, you know, you take that away, and you and you sit with it for a minute. And I said, you know what? That's not going to work for me. I went to Doug Risebrow, another legend, right? Our GM, yeah. Asked and asked for the trade. So it's these moments where. You just have faith in your abilities and you trust your instincts. And, and that's what it is in the end that a lot of it. And I see it so much now with so many of the young kids, they're almost robotic in the game. And one thing that I think is, is falling away a little bit is, is that, that uh, the artistry and being able, because you're right when, <laughs> when you come and pursue me in the corner and, and I have to, if I can, if I can, attach into that portion of my brain that can metabolize 10,000 thoughts a second versus the, versus the side that's very control focused. That's like doing three or four thoughts. You're, you're never going to stop me because we probably, we're probably both good skaters. We're probably both very strong. Right. But if I, if I can outthink you, or if I know where my, where my teammates are or yeah. a different way that I can, that I can evade the check, I've, I've got a much better chance to get out. And that's unfortunately that's all trial and error, but at the same point in time, in being instinctual is so important and whether yeah. it's you know whether it's sticking up for yourself a, pos- a position you want to take a direction you want to take in your career or uh, a way to get out of the corner more effectively um, I, I believe that at a certain point because we pra- we practice what we this game so much and we play games and we watch it on TV and we've been doing that since we were little we know what our our spirit knows what to do it's whether or not we can trust it
1: yeah. I, I love that. You, I mean, you touched on so many things I want to dive into on that. And you know, the, the, maybe I'll come back to the part about when he asked, he asked for the trade, but, you know, thinking about going back to kind of how we started that, that, that comment was the transitioning to, from forward to D and then what you just talked about, about like kind of having the, the reaction time, the making it instinctual and how are you going to react, read and react. I think you know, in today's game for the younger kids, the game is getting so much faster. And so, you know, you can develop those hard skills by, you know, repetitive motions and, and, you know, having your skills coaches and, and going through, you know, just getting more and more ice time. But, you know, something that I'm working on in my own game, and I think a lot of coaches are out there, is like, how do you develop that instinctual um, knowledge and that that motion coming out of a corner or, or neutralize what are those different options and like how can you build a creativity or like a decision making process in that practicing so it's not just kids going around cones in a repetitive nature where they don't learn the motions and the the concepts of the game so you can you kind of, I think you started scratching the surface on that a little bit can you dive into maybe like how any anything you did while you were playing at any point in your career that maybe kind of helped with that decision making process or um, your, or your thoughts as a coach if you you know your younger ones are coming up how you might might be able to lend some advice to some coaches where they can build that decision making into their practices so they don't just pump out robots doing the same thing yeah. all the time
3: yeah and 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 the the drills are important right you're ed- learning your edge control building up the muscle memory um, building up that coordination um, and all the strength that correlates to your ability to move your body in ways that that allow you to succeed in the game being strong that 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 happens i believe that happens naturally when you when you make a lifestyle out of say playing hockey the thing that i always held in high regard and still do today is play being playful right having opportunities to uh, to showcase that creativity in a in a in an environment where it's almost like you have a safe environment to be creative and not be not be penalized for you know being in a different position than maybe the coach is comfortable with seeing you in. And the thing is, as it whittles down, I mean, the game to the highest level is a funnel. And when you follow the other side and even maybe like as skilled, as skilled a player as maybe like I might've been at a certain level by the time you get to a certain point, well, you're not the, you're not the first power play guy anymore. You know what I mean? So there's, there's a, there's a, there's a threshold that, that is um, that, that there's a funnel point that hits every player to where you're you're not going any further that's it because the guy that falls out the, the the bottom of the funnel is the guy that has all the relative skills but guess what he probably also has a lot of those or a lot of those intrinsic fundamentals that are that supersede strength skating ability, um, all that type of stuff. And it's usually related to some sort of creativity and ability to do something that somebody else can't. Uh And I think that's the stuff that, that, that kids should focus on more coaches should focus on more to make sure that the kids don't lose the play because the play and your ability to feel creative and feel artistic in the game, I believe is the thing that's going to keep you coming back for more. I I never stopped practicing and playing. I never stopped shooting, you know, and it wasn't because like my dad was like, you got to go out there and shoot a thousand pucks. I was out there because I was, I was like an artist, like almost like when you look at like the Monet paintings and you see how many different times he painted, you know, the water lilies and and over and over and over again, right. Till the day he died. Right. And you just, you almost have this, uh, I don't know, like you have this quest to, to, uh, to, to to make something your own and make it so magical and, and, and just like keep working on it and perfecting it. And, and I had, I always had that, like, no matter what level I was at, I, I never stopped, having that having that joy built in and that 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 artistic you know viewpoint of what I was what I was doing so i think that's that's something maybe you're born with i don't know if you can teach it i mean creating playful environments where you can you can uh, marry the fundamentals of the game with some sort of playfulness is probably is probably the thing that defines you know great great coaches and great teachers because I think the kids all that's what they want to have that's what they want to do they want to feel that way they don't want to feel so like you 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 weren't you know you weren't on this spot in the forecheck and you know you, and you're in trouble and maybe you lose ice time and then your dad your dad's up and down you in the car on the way back because you didn't play enough you know <laughs> and he drove two yeah. hours each way to the game or something like that it's so much pressure for young athletes you know it's like it's uh it's it's such a it's such a gauntlet for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's huge. And I, I don't know if you can teach it, but I think you can bring it out in players. And um, one thing that we've been doing is we've gotten away from direction based drills, like skate here, do this, do that to more decision-making drills. Like here's the scenario, here's what you're doing. And so I think, what all we've been doing is one half, one side of the ice is three on three. So we have three groups out there. Two of the groups are playing against each other, three on three, the other groups on the other three fourths of the ice doing some type of decision-based drill. And we like very, very particular with our language versus like, if you find coaches that are too much, like, okay, I want you to skate here. I want you to turn this way. Then I want you to grab the puck here and take it through this tire. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now mm-hmm. a kid gets told what to do all day at school, what to yeah. do, you know? Right. And so like they come to the rink, they, there's, there's a different way to do it. And I think it's giving athletes decisions to make with inside of the drills. And so we've had a ton of success with just doing that. And we, with the game going on in the other end, kids are now able to use whatever skill they just did and then take that into the game. And I think that helps cultivate it and getting away from just decision-based drills um, or getting two more decision-based drills and not more just direction based. So I love, I love what you're preaching. I think we're on the, the same wavelength um, and kind of diving deeper in the skills. You were, you are a defenseman for most of your career. Um the role of defenseman has changed over the last decade. What are, what are your thoughts on the position
3: today and where, where do you see it going here in the, in the future? Well, I I love what's happened to the to the defense position. You know, I love the I love the, fi- the five man attack. I love I love the five man the, the defensive zone. I, I think that what what we've done with the game is 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 am- is amazing. The way that the way that we you know cl- swarm on defense, we we all at- attack on offense, and a lot of times the puck is kicked back to a defenseman coming full speed, and he's he's skating the puck all the way in. It's I think it's incredible. I think this the defensive uh, the defenseman's skill set now is it has to be more uh, more diverse than it's ever had to be. I think he's more of a hybrid player now. The guy, especially the guy, that's probably the most coveted. I think at the time when I, when I turned pro, it was if you were if you were big and strong and you could skate a bit, like you know the Darian Hatcher, uh, you know Chris Pronger era. I think those were the guys that were that were most coveted. I think now the guy that can play in both ends of the, of the rink, skate the puck out of the defense zone, um, you know, is, is the guy that's probably most, most highly coveted. So I think the, I think the defense, the modern defenseman is, is, is really the best player on the team now in a lot of ways because he, he's, he's the guy still blocking shots and, and taking a beating in the corner and, um, you know, breaking the puck out and joining the rush and, and you know, quarterbacking the power play. So I, I, I love what's happened with defensemen these days.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, Danny and I both played D growing up and, you know, we're both coaching and, and now I'm coaching at the college level and, you know, getting these defensemen that are, mo- you know, they're not just the, you know, the big mean, you know, stay at home D, you know, sometimes those are guys are great to have, but having that same guy that can also skate and be an offensive threat is such a valuable, from a coaching perspective, it's such a valuable thing to have in your arsenal be able to, like you said, tack with five B. It's, a, yeah, I just love it. But with that, uh, I'm going to transition to, to another, another piece I want to talk to you about, Andy. And I'm a little biased here because I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, coaching college and, um, you know, I, I, I just had a conversation with one of my former players yesterday about like the importance in, of education and, and this individual didn't finish his education. Like he dropped out as a sophomore and he's considering maybe coming back. But, you know, I talked to a lot of kids and, and their, their goal is to get, you know, to the NHL or they're coming up, you know, these are 14 to 18 year old players and, um, you know, and sometimes their goal is set so high on the hockey part that they forget about the academic part and they forget about life after hockey. So being able to talk with someone like yourself that had a professional career and now has transitioned into, into the life after hockey, can you touch on like your thoughts on the importance of education for like a young player coming up through the ranks um, in their quest to be a hockey player, but also just in life in general.
3: Yeah, and this, this is one of my this is one of my great passions, this conversation just in general, because you know, I I I feel so fortunate to have, have had that opportunity to to experience what it's like to be a student athlete. I think I think just like from a skill set standpoint to to have to learn at that critical age to to balance your affairs because you know sure you're like you you want to be at the frat parties and you want to you know you want to excel at your games and you've got you know you've got education to consider and if you're also not just like the guy getting the scholarship and taking the you know rudimentary you know business administration so you can like coast through and uh, you know i i i think the guy that you know the athletes excuse me that are that are pushing those limits that are that are trying to balance all those things coming out the other side of it you've got a you've got a massive chance of success at life and i'll say this like whether you play you know a long time in the in the nhl or whether you go through college or whether you stop after junior or whatever it is any which way there is an entire there's an eternity of life left to live and it is imperative to contemplate that with every move you make through the process, whether it's care and concern for your body, your brain, um, the, the, the way you learn how to eat and care for yourself, or like you're saying, the educational component of it. Because, and I say this every time, we live in a world where Justin Bieber can be found on YouTube. If you're, if you're good enough, somebody's going to find you and you might, as well get an, you might as well get an education in the process. Because the the likelihood of you making the NHL is almost zero. The likelihood of you playing before you're 22 or 23, which is when you'd be finished college, is almost zero. So why wouldn't you give yourself those four years to diversify your own personal portfolio, to to become a more well-rounded human being? To learn things that can sustain you in the event you don't get to play in the NHL, which you're probably not going to. Um, Not to say you don't dream. I always dreamed about it. If you'd asked me my sophomore year if I was going to play in the NHL, I would have told you no. You know, even my junior year, I'd have said probably not. And I thought I had one more kick of the can. If you'd asked me before my senior season if I was going to play, I would have said, you know what, I, I might, I might mess around in the East Coast league for a year or two, and then I'll probably go back to school and and you know become a family doctor, which is what I thought I was going to do. Hmm. Um, it's just, it's just such a, it's just such an obs- obscured sense of, um, you know reality that that these are the things that that are sort of held over over the athletes heads whether it's pressures from the parents pressures on themselves and and it's missing the point because that's even for a guy like me that played there that's not the high point that's not the high point of life it's really not I mean it's it's it was amazing and I I feel so honored and um, and humbled to have had the experience but at the same point in time you go, you gotta have You've got to have a broader look at life and you've got to understand that regardless of when you end, you've got an entire life left to live and you better have a, you better have a broad skill set in order to, 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 to truthfully succeed and own your own experience. Because that's the other thing, when you're playing, I, mean, I talked about the anxiety level during, you're, you're a controlled commodity you know, the entire time you don't have, you don't have any control whatsoever. You're told where to be, when to be there, how much you're going to be paid, you know, all, all those things. And, and it's not until, you know, after hockey and you start to cultivate your own business affairs and you really own every moment of your life that you really start to realize that you're in charge of yourself, you know? So it's not all, it's, it's not all it's cracked up to be either. There's, there's a, there's a lot out there. And, and I think having, having that awareness is the first step and giving yourself a backup plan is such an important thing to do just in general.
0: Right. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's kind of the old uh, saying that hockey ends for some ends for you eventually at whatever age that is. It might be 18 after high school or 76, like Chris Chelios ended his career, but either way uh, it does, it does kind of end for everyone. And then um, you went to to a a decent school. I won't call it a good school. I can't do that with my, my Maverick background, but, Um, that obviously that that sets you up to have success for whenever your hockey career did end and tell us about the transition just from uh, tell us about the transition of business to hockey um, and the business of hockey and how it eventually led to what you're what you're up to now with Verbero and um, Jomo let's talk a little bit about that stuff
3: yeah sure Um, so I, I guess for me you know I I I think because I, I wasn't, I didn't go necessarily the totally traditional route and I feel like I had to really forge my way. So with that, in the back of my mind, there was, always like, okay, what's, what's plan B here? You know, what's plan B for me? And I always, I was always endlessly curious, I think about what else was out there and was available. So the, the career went on and it was very all consuming, you know, and, and, uh, there were points along the way, certainly many of them where I thought this could be, you know, this could be the end. And it, it kept going cause, because you, you know, figured out a new way like a chameleon to, to endure, um, you know, but nearing the end. And I knew I was nearing the end because I was, you know, getting to be 35 years, 36 years old. I started thinking about what I was going to do afterwards. And I started to develop some intellectual property in the protective space. Um, and, and And started to create some protective systems that are that are pretty revolutionary and we 're going we 're going to be debuting those with with Verbero, um, but I started working to license those intellectual properties and really started to get into understanding more of of the the business of of manufacturing uh, the business of sourcing the biz, the business of of branding and marketing and and how these things work. And I was fortunate enough to get to work with a few amazing people along the way in that pursuit. And um, it sort of led me to uh, coming out of hockey and I had an opportunity to, um, to purchase the Jomo brand. So Jomo was, uh, and I had 14 surgeries as I mentioned to you guys earlier in, in 16 years my body was ravaged. So I was always looking for ways that I could rebound and, 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 and restore myself. I landed on, the Jomo product three years before I retired, and and I loved the product so much I ended up buying the brand. It was the first one of the first things I did coming out of pro hockey worked on that, I reformulated, rebranded, um, brought it back to market. And this is all while I'm working on the intellectual property and the licensing. And, and then I started working with a with a leading hockey company. I was the president there for almost five years. And out the backside of that, I was able to acquire the Verbero brand, which was a brand that was formerly owned by the company I was, I was the president of. So now I've really applied everything that I've ever known about the game of hockey, everything I ever learned about, you know, whether it 's you know manufacturing you know intellectual property development, um, you know all the, all the way to, uh, to, to to selling things through retail and, and through e commerce and i 've applied all of that logic to Verbero and and positioned that brand to be very much a, a unique brand in the space where we're, we're a team we sell team direct pricing to everybody i 'm not trying to sell through retail. I want to communicate directly to people. I want to pass on those savings without having to put it through a middle wholesale tear, tier, excuse me. And then, you know, beyond that, we've up, we've supported our really high level equipment program with a really robust apparel and customization program. So anything from gameware to custom apparel, like you guys are all wearing, we make all that stuff on demand. And then we supported that with a proprietary software system that we developed to create on online on demand, team stores for all of our team store affiliates so essentially all of the apparel all of the game wear, all of our top tier equipment all all in team decorated uh, logoed options all available in e-commerce and then we service all of those all of those teams directly we also pass on those team direct savings directly to individual customers that could that buy from berbero.com so it's not like the teams are getting a, a better price than the than the individual consumer we supported that with, uh, you know, our 350 gram stick. We brought the lightest stick ever brought to market. To market, we've got a we've got a skate that's that's as beautiful as a hockey skate as you'll ever see. It's 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 full carbon fiber, Japanese grade carbon fiber. I worked on this for over a year, making some material changes to it to make it better than it's ever been. But it's really, you know, I call it the Bugatti of ice skates for a reason. It's it's one of the prettiest one of the prettiest skates you'll ever see. Um, and we don't we're not also not a brand that's trying to confuse anybody. We have one amazing skate, we have one amazing glove, one amazing stick. And until I can find a suitable replacement that would supersede this, that's gonna be what we sell to the consumer. But like our our skate with our skate at this highest level, you know, as nice as any skate you could you could ever imagine, $295 retail. So that sort of speaks volumes to, you know, how we wanna be known as a brand. And and how we want to sell, and we want to give in. If we want to bring innovation, we want to we want to give an op- option for uh, the utmost of performance, and we also want to make it cost effective. Um, and that's basically what Verbero is in a nutshell.
1: I love that. Yeah, I mean, just on social media and and at the rinks that I'm in and stuff, you can kind of tell that Verbero's made some moves lately and, and made some some changes for the better over the last. Uh, last bit, and I know that you have a reputation, Verbero has a reputation of being a company that does things differently and, and a reputation of innovation. So can you give us a little insight into, you mentioned that you've got your, you know, your, your top, top end stick, your top end glove, your top end skate, the um, apparel program. Can you give us any insight, you know, especially with your engineering background and the, the intellectual property, you talk about any, any teasers on what might be coming next for the brand out of Verbero?
3: yeah i'll show I'll show you guys this is a uh, this is the first ever debut but i i'm, I'm going to go i'm going go for it here hold on a second okay. so this is um this is essentially this is essentially my i p and this is an expanded view but basically it's going to be the first fully ventilated protection system so this i have the i p for basically this suspension membrane that's basically cast into a rigid outer body
1: the so for the any so for the listeners on the podcast he's shown us a picture of like a ventilated shin pad essentially like it's it's we're looking at, at a brand new technology for uh, a new innovative shin pad so sorry just so the, the listeners so they can envision what we're, yeah, what we're looking So looking at
3: it's essentially this web membrane is is suspended which means it's basically hung in the, in this rigid outer body which is the which is the with the face of the of the shin guard itself so there's a negative space in behind this membrane in the outer body that's fully ventilated it's, it's 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 devoid of any padding um, so that the airflow is able to pass through the entire, the entire shin guard. The materials, the materials that we're using in it are all hydrophobic, so it's essentially pushing the, pushing the moisture back to the base layer, and we have one of the most progressive uh, uh, moisture-wicking base layer uh, solutions uh, available. And all of this we're working on, uh, this will also be a, a 3D-printed full custom piece. So whether it's a shin guard, whether it's a, whether it's a thigh pad, a hip pad, uh, elbow pads, shoulder caps. There's, there's really um, the only limitation to the intellectual property is the ability to have a radius significant enough to support a suspension membrane. So that's, that's basically the emphasis for the IP and that's going to be the basis for our for our protection, for our protection systems. Maybe will it fix some of the smell too or no? It will, it absolutely <laughs> will. It won't, uh, it's not, the materials are not going to, they're not going to hold any moisture. Okay. so that won't be able to to permeate any of the membranes so it'll, it'll actually never smell which will be really nice well my mom my mom would have bought those she was probably getting sick of
0: having to throw all of my gear in the pool every other day just to get the <laughs> stink out of it but for sure uh that's awesome that's really cool um all right we're gonna jump in here so we're gonna we're gonna just do some kind of quick some quick questions here not not quite rapid fire but uh you can put a little bit of thought into it but not too much and then then we'll jump into some advice and then we'll kind of, we'll tie a bow on this thing. It's been unbelievable, but um, I can't, I can't let you get off here with being a defenseman. Who's, who's the best, not necessarily most skilled, but who's the best defenseman that you were ever partnered with that, um,
3: that you just love playing with? Oh man, I I played with some great players. You know, when I, when I was in Atlanta, there was a guy I played with that was a partner of mine for a, for a long time. And he was one of the most underrated players i ever played with nicholas havlid was just an absolutely incredible tenacious small defense And i got to play with freddie meyer right so freddie's one of the smaller players that probably i ever played with but one of the most fierce by far you know and and what a great open ice body checker and then i was lucky enough to play with you know eric carlson and you know even even in san jose at the start you know we had brian Marchmont there and gary Souter and jeff norton um you know, and then getting into Minnesota, Sean O'Donnell, Curtis LeCision. I mean, it just, I, I, I played with so many, so many great players. It was, it was just uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah.
0: Um, Love that. I love hearing, it's, it's always cool to me to hear that kind of stuff and just hear guys talk about, and some of those guys you played with back in the early two thousands. And yet they came right to your mind. So that's, that's the impact that our game has on people. What about, what about on the other side of the puck, like the offensive side, who was, who was tough to defend that was just a nightmare for you that you knew you had to be on your game just to even keep up with them
3: well when I was in it when I was in Atlanta um, and there were so many but when I was in Atlanta we were in the division with um, with the capitals and the lightning right so we played each team eight eight times a year and and I was I had a prominent role with the team then where I was you know against the top players every every single time they touched the ice I'd jump over the board so you know Vinny Lecavalier and Marty San Louis you know on the Tampa Bay side and then obviously you know Ovechkin and, and Semin and and all those guys and and Ovean is really I think in his prime back then uh so, so tough to defend um, you know Alex Kovalev such a great player I got to play with you know Marian Hossa and and uh Ilya Kovalchuk and Danny Heatley you know all in all in their prime and um, you know Daniel Alfredson by far the most underrated and most dynamic and uh ferocious offensive player I probably ever played with or against and and there, there there's so many over the years but those those guys uh, spring to mind for sure
0: yeah Alfredson's a real deal I use a lot of his clips just to show yeah. everything what Ford should be doing like that guy is a model forward I think you hit it on the well, head he, he's underrated like
3: nobody talks about him he is and you talk about playfulness we used to when I was with him in Ottawa and I battled against him for a long time and, and did, didn't really like him much because he was so hard to play against but he um we used to play this drill in the, in the face-off circle and it was a keep away, you know, one-on-one and keep away and you had to stay in the face-off circle. And I was, you know, I was a good defenseman in the league and you literally can't, couldn't get the puck off of him. I mean, he's just absolutely so strong, such a great skater, protect the puck so well, had amazing hands. that could just, you know, de- make the best player look uh, look like a fool. And then on top of that, just like a great dude and, and he's yeah. like a golfer and they do a ping-pong tournament there every year. And uh, Alfie One would play Alfie Two in the finals of every tournament. He, and it, the distinction was you know, Alfie would play right-handed and left-handed, and he'd he'd literally have to play himself in the finals. They put the right-handed, <laughs> left-handed version in the brackets. So, I mean, he's just a he's just a just a phenom athlete. Like uh, yeah, I mean, he's a heck of a golfer too. You said he is. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how's
0: your golf game? I I I halfway want to turn this into a golf podcast. So how's your <laughs> golf game?
3: It's pretty good. I don't play as much as I used to, but I uh, I'm still I still carry a I think a five handicap, and I've been as I've been as low as, as scratch uh, for, for for a number of years. I just not playing as much now. When I was when I was playing uh, in the NHL, I was in the summer. I was definitely spent a lot of time playing golf. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that's that's unbelievable. Last question before I hand it to Cameron here. You ever block an Ovechkin slap slap shot or no? Oh yeah, absolutely, a, a million of them, and I can remember a time too when I was in New York. We were killing a five-on-three power play, and and uh, Jack Hillen was my partner. And somebody shot the puck, and the goalie saved and it, and it popped right out between the hash marks uh, in the middle of the ice. And Ovi came in from the point and and took a slap shot from maybe five feet outside the hash marks. And as as he struck the puck, it flipped up in the air. And Jack, I was on the right the right post, and Jack was on the left post, and we were both kind of trying to move out to make a play. And the puck flipped up and Ovi hammered it and it hit, it hit Jack right in the jaw and shattered his entire face. Um, So yeah, I've been front and center to a a few shots that have definitely uh, left a lasting mark on, on both my memory and, and uh, my body and certainly other people's bodies as well.
1: Talk about stuff nightmares are made out of, huh? Jeez. Uh, So I'm going to back up a little bit here and the, you know the next season we have got the expansion league coming in or expansion team the Kraken coming into Seattle and during your career you were picked up uh, in the expansion draft for the Minnesota Wild and were part of their first inaugural team can you look back at that that experience and and touch on any any high points or maybe even low lights like what was it like being in an inaugural team
3: well I'll tell you it, it was it was probably in one of the if not the the greatest thing I ever was part of my entire career because we all came in and I don't know how it'll be this go around, but you know, we all came in and we were all, you know, it was like a collection of uh, misfit elves, you know, and we came in and, but in a way we were, uh, you know, we were all kind of pulling the same rope and and there was, there was, there was no hierarchy established yet. There were no cliques and we were all kind of, um, you know, in it, in it together. So whether that was on the ice, you know, off the ice or the families that were there um, it was a really loving environment. And then to be surrounded by, so many legends, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the Jacques Lamares and Doug Risebros of the world. And, and then, you know, to, to have a opportunity to play with like Marion Gabrick as a rookie and be, be part of that whole deal. Um, and to be part of a franchise that went to a place that should have never lost a franchise in the first place, right. and how much, how much the, the the people of Minnesota love the game of hockey and, and how, how much they embraced having the team back and then getting to go into that brand new XL Energy Center, which at the time was, was state of the art. Um, and, and it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was just such an incredible experience.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait for the, you know, the, with the league expanding is getting more people in people in Seattle are fired up. I do a little work out there and, and it's, it's exciting, you know, it's exciting times, but let's, uh, any, I mean, we've touched on a lot of things here, but let's, let's start wrapping this up and you know, this point of the interview, we, you know, we talked about at the beginning, you know, we'd like to extend some of your advice to to the listeners and the people that are coming up through the ranks and, and look at your successful career and, and, and are inspired by that. So with that in mind, what kind of advice would you give to a youth hockey player that's coming up through the ranks and has aspirations of reaching higher levels, whether that's making the, you know, the, the, the double A team or the triple A team or making the varsity squad or making that, that jump to juniors or making that jump to college? What kind of advice would you extend to a, a younger player listening out there?
3: Well, I, w- I would say, I would say above all else, do it for you, you know, um, do it for you own your own, your own experience. Make sure that if you're, um, if you're making decision to partake, go, go all in, you know what I mean? Go all in in your experience. And then beyond that, Give yourself a break. Give, your, give yourself some space to make mistakes because I'll tell you this, if I hadn't made as many mistakes as I made, I would have never made it as far as I made it. And the difference between the guy that makes it, in my opinion, and the guy that doesn't is the one that learns from his mistakes in a constructive and productive manner without, without assassinating your own character again and again. So you've got to, you've got to, lo- you've got to do it with love for yourself. You've got to do it with commitment and integrity and connection to your to the people that support you, your parents that, you know, put out endless hours and and money and 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 your coaching staff that, that cares for you so much and wants wants the best from you. And then beyond that, you've kind of got to just let it all fall away. You know, if it doesn't happen, in a lot of ways, honestly, it's not meant to happen. And I'm a big believer that you're right where you're supposed to be and the things that are destined for you will find you. And and you can certainly impart yourself, but at the same point in time there is a pro there is a process that is way bigger than any of us and there's also a lot of luck so with all that said you kind of got to give yourself you kind of got to give yourself some space
0: yeah I mean it does take a lot of luck like I mean you take away three four senior points your senior season who knows like where you're at I mean over a point a game guy as a defenseman in the WCHA that's pretty good stuff but hockey is obviously a game of bounces and inches and 10 of those pucks go the other way and who knows but it's, it's crazy. And I, I think you hit it on the head with kids learning, like learn from your mistakes in a positive way. Like the kid that goes down on a breakaway trips on his own falls, slams a stick and heads to the bench versus the kid that trips on his own, gets up and tries to make a play, even though he's got nothing left. Like the, that's two different types of kids. And I think one is on, on the, not maybe not the fast track, but on the track to, to success versus the kid that's, you know, pouting and breaking those, those sticks over the
3: board. But I most love definitely. that advice. Yeah, most definitely, you know, and it, it, it's like, you know, I had so many injuries, right? So if I if I had had one of those catastrophic injuries my senior year, 10 games in or something like that, I probably don't even keep playing hockey. Honestly, I'm probably done. I probably focus on education. So it's like, who who knows, guys? Honestly, like it's it, – there is something greater that's, that's, that's there for us. And, and, and in a way, we've got to kind of release ourselves. And it doesn't mean, like I said, that you don't, you don't work like crazy. You know, you have, right. to, have to fight for the things you want. But then at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, and you 've got to you 've got to give, you've got to give your, cut yourself some slack at the same point in time because to be able to go back and attack with a with a fresh perspective and, and and love in your heart for yourself and respect for yourself and integrity and respect for the game and the people that support you is is everything so be huge. thankful that 's the thing like I see so many of the kids like just be thankful you 're so lucky you know you 're mm-hmm. so lucky to be able to play this amazing game. I don't connect with teammates anymore. I miss it so much. So don't take that for granted. You know, love that time with your teammates, the time at practice, you know, the the time going to games because the thing is, like, it's all about you. It's made all about you. And that's not necessarily um, the the best thing for people to think about. So just remember, guys, like, there's, there's so much more going on and it's not all about you you know, right. so thankful for the parents that are devoting all of their time and money and resources to you, the coaches that are doing in kind, all the people that set up the leagues and associations and run those, because without all of those people, none of this, none of it happens. So you, sure. you, better, you better be thankful for your process. Be thankful. And then without a lot of coaches too, none of this stuff's um, possible
0: as well. Do you have uh, one, who's the best, who's your favorite coach you ever played for? And then any advice that you can take from that coach or, and take from your own experience to to coaches helping youth hockey players and, and looking to move up the ranks themselves?
3: Well, I had, I was fortunate to have a lot of good coaches and I had a lot of bad coaches along the way. And, you know, i I just remember one thing in particular, and this is a, this is a cool story. That's sort of like, I think embodies maybe Jacques Lemaire and why he was so successful. So, Marion Hosa and I, I think we all know. Like Marion was by far one of the most explosive players I ever played with. He had he had more skill in his pinky finger than most athletes had in <laughs> general. And I can remember he was so green and ambitious, and he'd want to zip all over the ice and do everything right. So and this is starting, you know, in the area of video, you know, video uh, analysis and day after the game. And Jacques had no problem calling Marion out to make sure that he knew that he was, you know was didn't have free reign. And Jacques was one that, you know, really believed fundamentally that if the players played in unison and did very specific things that you had a better chance for success. So a couple things that Jacques, you know, one, the story, one story in particular, he was, you know, in a, in a, in a video session, he said, Marion, he's like, what, uh, why are you in such a big hurry? He said, just go over here on the right side. He said, grab yourself a cup of coffee he said, and just, just relax and wait for the plate to come to you, you know. So he, he had this way of conveying, like, hey, Marion, like, we all know you're really fast. You don't have to be everywhere and do everything for everybody. And when you're over here and in this right position, you put yourself in a, in a position to succeed, right, time and time again. And you preserve energy so that when we need you late in the game, you have that energy available. You know, and Jock's thing, too, in the defensive zone, he, he, he'd always be like, I don't understand why you guys want to get the puck first in the corner he said you put you put yourself on the wrong on the wrong side of the pile coming out of the corner so if it's an equal if it's an equal race let the let the offensive player go first so that you're on the defensive side of the puck it was like simple stuff like that that he had logic that just made the game simpler you know so i, I would say he's you know obviously iconic just to right. everyone but to have an opportunity as a young player in the nhl to learn from a guy like that was was
1: really incredible That's great. I think that's great advice. Keep the game simple, especially for the younger kids. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated for those, those younger ages, let them have fun, let them play and they'll learn the game coming up and, um, you know, keep it simple, stupid. That's, that's my rule. But, uh, you know, last, last question for advice here, you know, your, your transition from being a hockey player to working in hockey is super interesting to me. And so can you give some advice, uh to people that are interested in looking you know there's a lot of passionate hockey people out there can you give advice to someone that that wants to make a a livelihood like make a career in the business of hockey in some way shape or form
3: yeah and i'd and i'd say and i i don't think i did this as well as i could have but i I i think again this is about having a broader perspective so if you if you start thinking about your network your life right your your life on the whole you have, you have an opportunity within the game to meet so many people, right? To go so many different places and meet so many people. Stay in touch. Start the network. Build, build your network because in the end, that's what life is all about. It's, about. it's about surrounding yourself with good people, being connected to where you can get some, the support you need. Because by the time you're done with hockey and your team that you're sort of like forced to be on is done, you need to have a, you need to have a team of life. You need to have a, a team of life, of people that can guide you, that can give you experiences, yeah. that can uh, support you in business, that you, maybe you can partner with. I believe that that is the greater meaning. And I think that all the players that go through, whether you go deep or whether you're you know, just rolling through college or high school hockey, whatever it is, build, build your network, stay connected. You know, it's never easier than, than it's been today to do so. So just make make sure you you stay connected, stay plugged in, and feel thankful for all the people that are that are with you along your journey
0: absolutely I love that got to have a, a life team you got to be ready to i mean it doesn't doesn't end after hockey, so you gotta definitely be ready we We appreciate you coming on we know how busy things are and um, we uh we're super thankful but before we sign off or do you have any kind of closing thoughts or final words you want our listeners to hear anything? Anything that we might have missed that that you want you want out there?
3: Well, I, I think the only thing from my standpoint, you know, is you you, you, guys, you guys are doing a great thing, and I, I love the way that you guys are working to uh, to con- convey the right messages to your to your athletes and to your listeners. And I would just say, grow grow that network. You know, tell have all the listeners tell your tell your friends because there there are there are coaches and there are people that are doing things in a more progressive way. And there are people that are that really understand the, the broadness of 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 the of the approach of, of coaching and of hockey in general. So I think just surrounding yourself with those kinds of people, you know, tune into tune into what you guys have to say because it certainly seems to me like you guys are are, do, are doing things in a way that deserves to be listened to.
1: Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it, man. It's been an awesome conversation with you. We really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some knowledge and, and experience. Where uh, for the listeners out there, you know, we talked about Jomo, we talked about Verbero. Where can people find you or, or find more information about their brands?
3: Yeah, I mean, I am always uh, one to never be sure if I wanted to, you know, throw the shameless plugs or whatever, but like it's really easy because we're, you know, direct to consumers. So jomo.com, j o m o ocom com. It's short for join mobility, which is easy to remember. Uh, there's bunch of brand videos on there and information about the product super easy for people to find it really is a a life-changing product it's it's really all about inflammation management which everybody has and total bodily inflammation is the root cause of every disease in the human body um so and doing anything you can to keep that down and then we have really potent joint health inclusions that are in there and everybody can needs joint health and our message is all about preservation and protection it's not remediation. It's not like, oh, you're an old dude. Like you need this because like you have no cartilage left. It's like, look, you've only got one set of cartilage in your whole body, preserve it and protect it while you can. So take a, take a supplement that gives you a buffer and a cushion so that when you're done playing hockey, you can still go out and play, you know, play tennis or you can still go play golf Golf. or you can, you can chase your, chase your three-year-old kid around the front yard. Um, and then that's important. And then Verbero is, um, Verbero in Latin is, um, it basically means to to smash, beat, drum, uh, or scourge, and, and that's what we're trying to do in every way. Our tagline is Be Different, and we're going to be different in every way. We're going to we're going to communicate directly. We're going to sell at great prices. We're always going to work, bring the best product at the best price to people. And then we're going to support Team Direct with uh, with robust programs to support the off-ice and on-ice apparel needs and all the equipment that, that teams need. So you can find that at verbarrow.com, and um, there's a bunch of videos there too, so you can just peruse and enjoy.
1: Awesome.
0: Love that. I'll definitely be checking some Joe Mo out. I've had some serious back issue inflammation <laughs> stuff going on since for a couple of years now. So i uh, have to get your advice on that. But uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. But before, before we let you go, we got to get a nice little let's go uh, just from our listeners. And you can get as into it as you want or, or, or not. But uh, if we can get a let's go from you, we'd appreciate it.
1: Let's go. Love it. All awesome. right. Thank you. Andy Sutton. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Huge. Thank you to Andy Sutton for coming on the show. I think that was a great one. I was uh, pleasantly surprised with how well that episode went, man. I think that was awesome. Andy is a great guy. I appreciate him coming on. Um, we dove into more stuff than I expected. I guess that's what I'm getting at is that we, we covered the business of hockey. We covered d- defensemen, you know, being a defenseman switched in four uh, from forward to D we switched, covered, you know, NCAA hockey, NHL hockey. We were all over the place on this one and and it was awesome. It surprised me that we covered so many different topics. So with that, I think our three stars of the night, we had a lot to choose from in this one. That's I, I guess that's my point here is that it was hard to nail these down, but Andy Sutton, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. I think we get right into the three stars, Danny. Can you start us off? What do you have?
0: Let's jump into it. Uh, like coach said, tough. I mean, tons to pick from, which is why we need to have you back on. Um, but three stars, third star of the day. Uh his mindset, like this guy, you name it, he's been through it. He's played forward D. Uh I wouldn't be shocked if he played a little goalie. We'll have to ask him next time he's on. Uh, he went from almost hanging up his skates, taking an internship outside of the game of hockey to having one of the best, arguably one of the best senior years of all time in college hockey for defensemen. Uh he's He's done it all at uh, in our game and his mindset has only gotten stronger. And when you talk to him about the business of hockey now, it shows that because of what he went through and what the game of hockey did for him, which is another reason why this is the greatest game in the world, um, it's it's cultivated and created the mindset that he has today. And I guarantee he's gonna be successful in any other adventures he does. Um, continuing obviously with Rivero and Jomo uh and all those different things. So Third star is just his overall mindset and how he attacks everything um, with that that passion that he has. It, it was cool to listen to. And then second star of the night goes to one of his coaches when he told the story about uh, why would you want to be first of the puck? And some coaches will hear that and be like, whoa, whoa, always win the race, always win the race. But his coach had a great, and a, I'm sorry if I messed it up, I think it was Jacques Lemaire that said it. If you get there second, now you're on the right side of the puck and you're better, you're you're able to play defense right away and and create body positions and angles and stuff like that. And you can't really do that if you get first of the puck and then that forward hammers you against the wall and now you're you're out of luck, right? And so I like that little tiny bit of advice because I think that you can learn something from everybody. And if you're sitting there right now hitting your steering wheel saying that's Tom, you need to win the race, you need to win the race. Well, you don't always need to win the race. And some of the best defensemen are the best at allowing the play to, to get ahead of him a little bit in the corner and then taking away all the time and space in the world and then, uh, and then getting the puck and moving it up the wall, right? Like you look at Nick Lindstrom. That guy wasn't known for hammering guys. I mean, he had a few big hits in his life. Don't get me wrong, but you ask um, – I don't know if I've told this story, but I talked to Shane Doan a little bit, and, and he talked about Nick, like Nick Lindstrom being the hardest guy to play against. And he's like, not because he could shoot the puck a thousand mile an hour, or because it hits you hard, but because at the end of the day, when you play against Nick Lindstrom, you feel like you've done nothing. You're not tired. You're not. Uh, you're not beat up. You're not bruised. You're nothing. You just feel like you've done absolutely nothing all day. And that it's that type of thing that I equate what he talked about, like letting them get to the puck first then you just go and take it from them and the Ford's like what the heck just happened so I'm rambling on a little bit but my my thought here is that I love the idea that um you can learn something even a little thing I think that was in the beginning of his career he was said that and he was able to bring it to the forefront of his mind quick and so goes to show coaches you have a huge impact on your players so make sure you're uh listening to let's go hockey podcast
1: and making them better right coach That's exactly right making an impact no matter what level you're coaching that's what it's all about sure I, first star of the night this one Danny I'll be honest I struggle with this one because I there's a lot of stuff that Andy touched on that I really really like in this one it was I had a hard time uh, trying to nail it down but I'm gonna try to kind of merge a couple thoughts here so he had two quotes kind of at the end two two little bites that uh, I thought were really cool and he said one you know do it for you and own your own experience. And then a little bit after that, he talked about, he, he said something about fight for the things you want. And, you know, you, you, you touched on his mindset and I'm going to kind of roll this into, into two other points. And the, those two quotes kind of roll into is that, you know, we talked about the, the importance of education and I've talked about this in a lot of episodes. I think that's like a, such a critical component for success in life that a lot of hockey players, if you are taking advantage <laughs> of that opportunity, you know it just opens doors for you whether they're hockey doors or they're, they're doors in life that you can take advantage of and so i'm a huge proponent of of you know the importance of education for our, our young players and you know getting that education as much as possible and i think Andy's a great example of that is that you know he got his education but then he transitioned that into his business life and that's what you know i could talk to Andy i think for hours about his business experience in the game of hockey and and what he's doing with Verbero as the ceo of the company and with jomo the the joint mobility health supplement yep. that he's doing and i think that those kind of all couple together in that you know he he fought for his experience in college he fought for his his experience in the uh in the nhl and he he leaned on his education to transition into the rest of his life into into his business career here and you know from from my understanding of like looking in on it the guy's doing a fantastic job and verbero's doing some exciting things in the game and i'm looking forward to learning more about him and You know, I just think that that overall, those kind of things wrapped together is our first start of the night is that, you know, lean on your education, take advantage of those opportunities. Don't shut doors that you don't even might not even know that might exist down the road, but get that education, make sure those doors stay open and those opportunities stay open for you. And when you have the opportunity to, um, go after something you want, you know, really fight for that and, and use that education as a, as a, as a component of allowing you to fight for what you want later in life, whether that's in the game or out of the game or or, uh, you know, wherever that might be. So I don't know if that, if that all makes sense, but I'm trying to wrap up a few ideas that I really liked from the episode all in, all in one. And, and that's my final star for the, the night. You know, take those experiences, own them, fight for what you want, lean on your education, and then trans- transition that into success in your life, whether that's on the ice or off. For sure. I mean, it made sense to me, coach. And if it makes <laughs> sense to
0: me, that means a lot of people it made sense to them as well, because I'm not always the uh, most with it. But <laughs> again, um, it was awesome having you on, coach. Um, we'd love to have you on again. I think we could do a whole podcast on defensive skills with them, uh, business of hockey. Like you think of all these coaches. I mean, there's a billion different things you can do with this game, which, again, that's why it's the greatest game in the world. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any questions, if you need anything from us, if you have a guest that you want to come on, shoot us an email. Uh, let's go hockey podcast at gmail.com didn't forget it this time. And um, hit that like button, smash that like button, leave us a a review. That'd be awesome as well. And let's just keep this thing rolling. What else we got coach? I want to know what's going on with project hockey. What do you, what's going on, man? Tell me about project hockey. Project hockey is honestly, it's, it's becoming more than I thought it would because uh, we're able to help out a ton of kids right now. And one thing that I've been trying to do, but some of these websites make it hard, is we're trying to reach out to different associations and offer our Project Hockey, which if you don't know what Project Hockey is, it's it's at-home dryland training. And right now with the the rink at our, in our association here in Minnesota, they can play, but they're not allowed up in the dryland room. So they're not doing any off-ice stuff, they're not shooting pucks, they're not stick handling or doing any of that. And so... What Project Hockey does is it gives you videos and demonstrations and coaches' notes and tips and a way to log and all that stuff to do at your own home. And all you need is a puck, two pucks, uh, a ball, stick-killing ball, and a stick, and then a ton of effort. And so, um, like I said, we're trying to reach out to associations. So if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, my kid's in an association. It'd be awesome to get our association doing Project Hockey. We're offering a huge a uh, free trial of it to associations, and so we had about four or five that I was able to actually connect with, and we're basically giving it away for a long time just so these kids that um, are having their development ripped away from them they'll have an opportunity to continue to do that. So, super excited! So, if you are listening to this, uh, reach out if you're an association, if you're an association lead or if your kid's in association or if you coached an association, reach out to me at Danny at project and let's get you hooked up with some, some off ice skill development, but that's cool. the
1: biggest thing we got going on in the world of project hockey. I love it. Always yeah. growing. Danny's a, Danny's a wild man. He's always grown, grown project hockey and, plugging away but yeah i got a, i've got a handful of my players around that now and i know you got some other high level players and some younger players it's a good it's a good plan and it's a good good vision and uh, kind of guide for for helping those kids uh improve themselves so good stuff man good to hear good to hear it's growing absolutely hit that
0: like button smash that review button high stick it whatever you got to do but uh we're excited and pumped for a few more big episodes to drop in the coming month. so stay tuned